0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Objective Health. I am your host, Doug, and with me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, uh, Erica Elliot, and our brand new co-host, James. And in the background, as Hello. usual, on the wheels of steel, is Damien. Hello. So, today we are going to be once again talking about vaccines. Um, it seems that every single day we're getting new articles coming up about something about the new vaccines that are coming out. So we always have a topic that we can uh, go to whenever we're short on uh, possibilities. But uh, I think the thing we're going to start off with today is the latest news coming out of Norway. Um, when we were doing research for the show, it was uh, there were 23 dead after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. Now apparently that number has increased to 29. Um, so yeah, people people are dying um, from this vaccine. Now, mind you, uh, you know there's there's lots of reasons that people can die. <laughs> it's not necessarily the uh, the vaccine, um, although it is always rather suspicious when shortly after receiving some kind of medical intervention if a person dies. There is a very good chance that the intervention at least had something to do with their death. Um, officially, of course, they're saying that um, you know these people are old; um, they had comorbidities, so the vaccine likely had very little to do with uh, with their deaths, um, which is you know true. That's likely true but uh i think we can still probably say that they would have lived longer had they not received the vaccine maybe we can't safely say that but um it's it's certainly uh something that i would be inclined to believe um yeah what do you guys think 29 dead
1: well i mean it was always to be expected right the question is what was the mechanism by which they died i think they're still looking into some of the causes of death i'm not entirely sure And I guess most of them were in the care home, right? So these are going to be elderly. These are going to be immune compromised. These are going to be people who are very likely on multiple medications, already have potentially multiple underlying health conditions. And so these are the people who in a general sense are more likely to getting vaccine injury, getting um, the detrimental, the potential side effects of a vaccine or of any toxin or even a virus. Right. So I mean, it's not really surprising that, uh, that it did happen in a care home. But, I mean, it's still not good. Um, and it's, I think it's good that the mainstream media are even covering this. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Well, one interesting thing is that in all of the articles that you see that are covering this, um, they're quoting the – was it the Pfizer rep? Who was saying that they are unconcerned? No, actually, I don't think it was the Pfizer rep. I think it was a health official uh, who was saying that they are unconcerned, essentially, with the with the deaths. And I just thought that that was rather ironic. You know, the the excuse being, of course, that well, you know, these people are older, they're immunocompromised. You have to expect like some deaths are going to happen. But it's that's the tack that they take when they're talking about the vaccine deaths. But when they're talking about COVID deaths, that stuff is out the window. They don't talk about that at all. They don't say, well, you know, these people were already, you know, in a kind of bad shape. So it's not really surprising that this virus that is more or less harmless to uh, the majority of the population is having a, a major effect on these people. No, they say the opposite. They say that this is insane, that we need to do everything that we possibly can to protect these people. So it just seems like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. Essentially, it's like a vaccine death for an old or immunocompromised person is not a big deal Uh, virus death is insane, lock down the country Uh, you know, lock all your doors hide everybody in the basement nobody go near grandma
2: Yeah, especially when you're using that uh, fear tactic for people to stay away from the elderly, right? Mm -hmm. And now we're finding that the elderly are suffering from failure to thrive and loneliness and but just as you were saying, Doug, I mean, it's crazy that you would be like, we need to protect our most vulnerable, and then the most vulnerable are, are dying at rates higher than everyone else. And all of a sudden that's not a concern.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. And if you look at the data from the Pfizer's safety studies uh for their vaccine, they most most of the study participants were uh younger than 55. So Um, And they also excluded people who had multiple comorbidities and um, basically they excluded most of the people that are the most vulnerable who are the people getting the vaccinations at this point. So um, it seems unfortunate that the study wasn't designed to evaluate whether or not the vaccine was safe for the population before they started vaccinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah that that's an excellent point it really is because um we've got all the, these supposed safety studies which really give us very little information you know any longer than uh, 30 to 60 days worth of time you know and sometimes if a vaccine is going to have an effect i mean in some people it might ha- be having an effect in 6 months on down the line so we're not entirely sure about whether these vaccines are safe whatsoever i mean that's half of what we talk about Every week on this show, right? But um, but ultimately, the, as you just said, James, the uh, the study population was they excluded, you know, the majority of the people who would be getting this vaccine in the first place. So you had these healthy young individuals with no other comorbidities, and so these people are going to be the least likely to develop side effects. I really wonder whether if they they'd have done this study on eighty five year olds in care homes. Whether the, whether the results would be much different in terms of the safety profile and whether it would even pass. I mean, it's primarily one reason why they don't do that. It's because they probably mm-hmm. know how many deaths that vaccine would actually cause. Mm-hmm. And of course, they don't want to give it a bad reputation. Uh, it's just ironic that that's the first people, the first population of people who they're going to be giving it to. It kind of seems like it's, a, yeah, in some way, a kind of genocide, you know?
0: Yeah. In fact, I've got a friend who thinks that that is the conspiracy that's going on right now. Give it to all the old people first. Clear out all the old people, all the people who are in need of uh, medical care and medical assistance. It's a big money grab. Get rid of the most uh, vulnerable por- portion of our population. I, I'm, I'm not saying that I believe that. I'm just, I'm just saying that's a theory that's out there, you know.
2: Well, it is also the largest you know population like cuz it's the baby boomers right so now mm. especially in the US you have all these people that are on medicaid and medicare and social security and if you know not to go into the economics of the united states but if you have a failing system where's all that money going to be to take care of those people i'm i'm not uh, on that same line it's i'm just saying that there it looks like a potential mm. you know <laughs>
3: Yeah, there was very little um, data in the Pfizer study that they re- released also, you know, because it was such a short study, um, some of the questions that I'd like to have answered are, you know, how how much does uh, the vaccine reduce the chances of somebody dying versus getting the um, coronavirus naturally, and, you know, how many hospitalizations is it going to um, reduce? You know, how many fewer hospitalizations will, will there be and not just among the general population but specifically among the elderly and most at-risk populations you know they're, they're really just focusing on whether or not it's safe to give the vaccine but um, I think we should also be asking the question what are the benefits of giving the vaccine you know and if the benefits of the vaccine are outweighed by um, the dangers of uh, side effects, either short term or long term and then why why are we giving the vaccine to people um, especially considering that um, you know the the virus is not very dangerous for the vast majority of the population yeah absolutely and uh,
1: fauci fauci himself has even has even said that uh, the vaccine is not designed to block the infection or prevent the spread of infection right it's to prevent the symptoms yeah. or is to reduce the severity of the symptoms. So, so I mean, it's, it's, it's entirely possible that this vaccine, if there was to be a study in terms of um, whether the vaccine was, in fact, um, effective at reducing symptoms, that's, that's one big question, but also whether it was actually going to be reducing the spread of any infection whatsoever, um, compared with the vaccine side effects I mean, it's not likely that they're ever going to do a study like this, right? Because it's, no. it's entirely possible that the results would not turn out favourable for them. So, um, I mean, we could we can we can hope and we can pray for something like that. But, uh, but I mean, it's not only it's not only care home uh, recipients or people who are in the elderly population who are getting this vaccine who are having these side effects, right? There are, I mean, over the past couple of weeks since January, we've seen several occasions of individuals who were previously in relatively mm-hmm. good health. I mean, um, there was an article about a doctor. Um, I have lost it now. There was a doctor. who dropped Mayo. down. To, yeah. And where was that doctor from? Was he in the US? talking about Miami. the doctor in
3: Florida who had a yeah. uh, brain aneurysm or, you know, he had a, he had a blood um,
2: disorder. Yeah.
3: <laughs> his immune system was destroying
0: all of the, all of his body's platelets. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a crazy side effect. Like mm-hmm. that's just nuts. You get a vaccine and suddenly your body is, is destroying all your platelets. They were giving him tests and, and his, his platelet count was coming up at zero. Like he had none. I think they were mm-hmm. saying in the article that the, the, the normal amount of platelets is uh, like 45,000 or something like that. Those are the kind of counts that you would normally see. And his was zero. No, sorry, four hundred mm-hmm. and fifty thousand between a hundred and fifty and four hundred and fifty thousand platelets per microliter of blood, and his was coming up at zero so and they apparently they kept on giving him platelet infusions, and he was still coming up with zero, like the body was attacking it so quickly that it was just disappearing
2: and he was in super good health, like exercised, uh, I mean, his wife is convinced that it was a side effect from the vaccine, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, and the guy apparently was a a pro-vaccine himself. I mean, you know, that's why he got it. He was basically, like, getting it so that he, you know, could recommend it to his patients and everything like being a responsible doctor, essentially, you know, well, let me try this thing myself before I start, you know, giving it to
1: my patients. And he has an effect Mm. like this. Similar thing happened with a, a nurse in Portugal. Yeah. Right? So she had the vaccine... Uh, I think it might have been late December. Yeah, late late December she got the vaccine, um, and two days later she was found dead in her bed. Yeah. Um, and there was no indication of any underlying health issue, no indication of kind of imminent death, and yet you know she got this vaccine, sudden death. So, I mean, she was forty-one years old. I mean, that's mm-hmm. barely middle-aged. Yeah. Right. In the big scheme of things, she's on the young side of things yeah so is it just the elderly who are going to be more susceptible well it seems as though there's probably i would guess some kind of genetic not 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 only some kind not only uh, is underlying health status important right but i wouldn't be surprised if we have underlying maybe predispositions, genetic predispositions, whatever it is, which is going to affect how our immune system has the capacity to process the stuff that's in this vaccine. Now, whether these deaths are purely due to the, uh, like the adjuvant or the, the polyethylene glycol, which is making up the lipid carrier, whether that is, is purely responsible because that does trigger complement system. It does, it can kind of, um, activate the innate immune system and calls like a systemic inflammatory response and an anaphylactic uh, response. So there's several people who've been who've been kind of experiencing this kind of anaphylaxis reaction from getting this vaccine, but it would seem as though there's other things going on as well, because when you're looking at several days after getting this vaccine, it's not necessarily consistent with a, an immediate allergic or anaphylactic shock. So it would seem as though I would bet there's probably several factors which are going to make someone very susceptible to this. And it doesn't seem as though age is necessarily going to be one of the things which is going to determine whether someone dies or not. It could be, I mean, it's hard to say the numbers, but when we think there's what the U.S. is, Trying to Biden has said that he's going to try to distribute 100 million vaccines. So that's 50 million people. I mean, we should get some better data and and see how bad this thing really is. But up until then, it's it's fairly difficult with with the small amount that they're distributing in the moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it kind of almost seems like a lottery, you know? Get the vaccine. Who's going to have these uh, insane? negative reactions and who's uh who's going to have the whole thing go by without much of an incident. Uh, but there's also, I mean, we were talking before about um you know, the cost benefit analysis and whether the vaccine is actually worthwhile. There's some question as to whether the vaccine even does anything. RT had an article um right at the beginning of the year actually hundreds of Israelis get infected with COVID-19 after receiving Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine reports. So basically, this article goes into uh, uh, details on um, hundreds of Israelis essentially getting themselves vaccinated and then shortly after that getting COVID. Now, it was the Pfizer vaccine, so there's no actual COVID in the Pfizer vaccine. So they weren't getting it because it was, you know... Uh, an attenuated virus or uh, a live virus or anything like that. It just is basically showing that the the vaccine is not, in fact, protecting them. Now, there's a million excuses for that. Sorry, go ahead, James. Well, I was
3: just going to say it sounded to me when I read the article that they got the first dose of the vaccine. And, you know, maybe the people who got the first dose assumed that that meant that they would be immune to the virus and or maybe not. I don't know. Uh, basically, they used it as an opportunity to talk about how, oh, you need to get both doses mm-hmm. of the vaccine because the first dose only gives you 50% immunity. And then the second right. dose is what 20%. gives you the 95% immunity. And, you know, both of those numbers are uh, Meaningless. debatable. <laughs> Meaningless, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be kind. Um, but, uh, you know, so basically the the story is that yeah, you can still catch the virus even if you get the the vaccine. So um, I wonder if it wouldn't make much more sense for most people to do things like take vitamin D, uh, take zinc, take vitamin C, make sure you get a good, have a good diet and get enough sleep, you know, do things that we know are safe. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even herbal medicines, homeopathic remedies that we know have an extremely long track record of being safe, um, and might be just as effective as this vaccine at, at, uh, protecting you from the the virus. I mean, I talk to people and, uh, every day about this and people are so afraid of this virus because of the way it's been portrayed on the news that, um, you know, the, I think the common perception is that exposure, just being exposed to it means that you will catch it and, you have a high chance of dying from it. Mm-hmm. That seems like the the common perception, and I should say misconception of uh, this vaccine, when the numbers show that actually, your risk of catching it, uh, if you're exposed to it, is actually fairly low. And, you know, we're looking, we're talking about maybe one in 1000 deaths, uh, you know, one, one in 1000 who catch it, actually die from the vaccine. And, or from the virus, and something like 90% of those have multiple coexisting underlying conditions. So, and I don't mean to minimize the, you know, deaths of the people who do catch COVID and die, but the uh, the way it's been portrayed is just blown so far out of proportion that everyone is terrified and and ready to accept the risk of getting a vaccine because they mm-hmm. maybe think it's less than the risk of uh you know catching the live
0: virus when really you know that might not be true well i think it's quite likely with the this this situation in israel that <clears throat> the first dose of the vaccine actually compromised their immune systems and mm. allowed them to, they were actually became more susceptible to covid <clears throat> because you know whenever you have something foreign injected straight into your blood your body's going to have to mobilize some kind of defense against that uh, and that requires resources so it wouldn't surprise me if what what was actually going on here is that these people got the vaccine and they actually became more susceptible to catching covid you know that's just a theory obviously i don't have any way of backing that up but um it wouldn't it certainly wouldn't surprise me
3: well that's been a concern that i read about in um epidemia uh, uh, several epidemiologists have written about um apparently in the past, there's been an issue with the development of vaccines for coronaviruses, and they've never gotten past uh, animal studies. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually they use a ferret model or a feline model. Um, but an issue that they run into is that they vaccinate the animals, uh, they test the animals, the animals have a robust immune response to the vaccination. But when they're exposed to the live virus, their vac- their immune system basically overreacts to the live virus and they end up with exactly the kind of cytokine storms and inflammation that we've seen in the worst cases of people reacting to um, COVID-19 exposure. Um, So, you know, there's, it seems like there's potentially a danger for that with this vaccine and and Mm -hmm. certainly let's hope that that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, um, similar study. I mean, we were talking about it just a couple of weeks ago on on macaques, I think, uh, certain type of monkeys. It's been shown time and time again. And this is really what I think is one of the most concerning things is that if we know, (laughs) if we have an indication that this kind of vaccine, although it's not technically an mRNA vaccine, um, but it's it's a vaccine which is meant to protect against SARS-CoV. But if we... You know, how do we know that say six months, twelve months down the line, upon pre exposure to a similar virus, that we are not going to have this kind of cytokine storm that happens in the animal studies? Mm-hmm. You know, what if this vaccine is potentially, yeah, okay, what 99% of people might go perfectly fine without any reactions? But how do we know that you know, in a year or even two years' time, if these people are not gonna have their immune system somehow screwed up? So that they become hyper reactive or hyper responsive or even more susceptible to developing a a, a genuinely uh, pathogen, uh, like a pandemic, uh, you know, like a pathogen, but which is responsible for a real pandemic, you know, where people are dying out on the streets kind of thing, you know, like a genuine black death kind of pandemic. Yeah. So we, these are just so many unanswered questions. And it seems at this point, the people who are getting this vaccine uh, are willingly, willingly giving their, their bodies over as, as guinea pigs. And like many people are calling this, this is a one large scientific experiment at the moment. And I guess it's up to each individual as to whether they participate as a subject or as a as a bystander, you know, as an observer. Yeah, I know which one I would prefer to be. <laughs> I'm going to be an observer in this experiment. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's lots of, un, you know, unanswered questions at the moment. Yeah,
0: for sure. Well, there are also a number, and it's kind of funny, because there's been a number of um, quote-unquote rare um, anaphylactic reactions. We've mentioned that a bit previously. But uh, there was one... Um, Uh, In Hamilton, Canada, actually, um, a personal service worker, long-term care worker, um, who got the vaccine. And, you know, it was, again, the Pfizer one. Seems that all these stories are about Pfizer or Moderna. Um, And, yeah, she actually even told the nurse that she had a severe bee allergy, um, which the nurse kind of noted, but didn't really say anything about it. And she ended up getting the vaccine and they made her stick around because apparently it's the policy to make them stick around for 15 to 20 minutes or something like that. And she started feeling really off. And the guy, the tech guy, you know, um, EMT, whatever he was, kind of uh, she told him about it and he said, "Okay," he gave her a Benadryl. And she said that she felt better for a bit, but then all of a sudden she started to feel worse. That's when they gave her, um, what's it called, the EpiPen, adrenaline. And that uh, essentially made her just tank, go right downhill. And they ended up having to give her CPR, which essentially, as far as I know, means that her heart stopped. So more or less, she died. Um, She was brought back, although at the time of the writing of this article, which I think was a couple of weeks ago, let me see if I can see the date, January 2nd, yeah, so like a little over two weeks ago, um, she still hadn't recovered fully. She was still feeling really whacked out and off. Um, and there was another who was a doctor um, who also had uh, a severe allergic reaction. Actually, this time it was to the Moderna vaccine. And it was the same kind of thing. He said he felt like, you know, he does have allergies. And he said that what this felt like was an anaphylactic allergic reaction. Now, Pfizer and Moderna have, you know, come out and said, oh, you know, like with the with the woman in uh, in Canada, they said, oh, well, there's no B products in our um, in our vaccine. So it's unlikely that that had anything to do with it. I think that's kind of like shooting themselves in the foot by saying that, you know, saying, no, it had nothing to do with your allergy. Uh, it was just a, a, a you know, uh, an anaphylactic reaction to uh, to the to vaccine for no reason. But um So anyway, I mean, it's like there are people who are having these reactions. um, And this is, you know, aside from the deaths, you know, so I mean, it it seems like there's multiple, I guess the point I'm getting at is that there are multiple different things that seem to be able to go wrong here.
1: Yeah, and and those reactions, the IgE allergic reactions that, I mean, this has been something that scientists who have been studying lipid nanoparticle delivery vaccines for a while, they've been concerned. They've been concerned with the use of of one of, like I said before, polyethylene glycol, it's called PEG, and it's one of the ways in which they kind of encapsulate this mRNA and and get it into the into the cells without the immune system detecting it. Because if the immune system detects it, then it will destroy it upon entry. And so the, the polyethylene glycol is ordinarily meant to give kind of a stealth quality to this um, to this nanoparticle delivery system. The problem is is that scientists in this kind of field or bystanders have have raised concerns because there are a number of people in our environment and i don't know what percentage it is it's it's a relatively small percentage but people who already have antibodies against polyethylene glycol and there's various reasons for that right because we come into contact with this substance through various means. I mean, if I remember correctly, it's in pretty high, it's basically what makes up a a, a laxative called Miralax. I think it's called Miralax type of Mm. laxative. And that is primarily polyethylene glycol. Now, if some people, let's say in the context, if someone has intestinal permeability, if they have leaky gut, then that is possible that some of that polyethylene glycol that they take in their Miralax laxative or whatever is going to be getting across the gut barrier and someone is going to be gradually mobilizing kind of an immune response against that. Now, just taking Miralax might not be a problem, but let's say for whatever reason, someone does have IgG or even IgE uh, antibodies produced against PEG, then when they get it directly... You know directly injected into their muscle it's going to be a li- little bit different from having it come through the mouth it's, it's bypassing all of the natural defenses and so it's it's theoretically possible that in these people and you know they might have already had some kind of immune hyper reactivity this substance but have never had it injected into their veins mm-hmm. you know so that's one of the concerns or that's one of the theories as to why some of these people do get anaphylaxis or allergic reactions to this substance. It's because they already have underlying like IgE antibodies against it for some other like unrelated reason. Just to note. Would it be
2: hard to test people for that? Like if they, if you knew you had a susceptibility, could you have like a test before you got vaccinated? I mean, is there a, you know, is there a way that they can determine? I know like with children, if you have like your child has an egg allergy or like you were saying earlier, bees, but you know, I mean, you would think that they would have thought that through.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you would, would, right. I'm looking at a paper right here and it says anti-PEG IgE in anaphylaxis associated with polyethylene glycol. Right. So it is, it's established that if you have these antibodies against this, this substance, you can get anaphylaxis against it. I don't know whether there's an, like a a test that's widely available, but actually that's an excellent thought that might actually be a really good way. You know, if you're an individual who knows that you might have to have the vaccine, it might be a good idea if you want to avoid one of these kind of anaphylactic shocks, although they're very unlikely, it might be a good idea to actually see if you could test your antibodies.
2: Yeah, because, you know, when you're in a hospital setting or a doctor setting, they always ask, do you have an allergy to Tylenol or ibuprofen? I mean, it just seems like it wouldn't take that much longer to address these kinds of issues because it's making them look really bad.
0: Yeah. Just wanted to note that PEG is actually in lots of different things. Like it's in lots of like it's in medications. It's in like uh, body care products, all kinds of stuff. Right. So people are, people are coming into contact with this, like all over the place. Um, but like you are saying, Elliot, it's a little bit different to, you know, having it in your like shampoo or something like that versus getting it injected into your veins. So.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to add a, a little note, not that it's, you know, much, but, uh, for those that may not know, you know, Pfizer is one of the biggest, um, Payouts of you know criminal uh, negligence of all corporations. <laughs> With like back in 2018, I think they said over uh, three billion dollar, two point three billion in settlements. This is something to consider, yeah. and the fact that these companies, uh, you know, are convicted criminals are still getting a big portion of this pie, uh, says speaks volumes to me. And, and you know, that's just a very cu- cursory Google search Pfizer lawsuit payouts. You can look and see, and it's right there. It hasn't been scrubbed, but, uh, yeah, that's a lot of money and that's a lot of negligence and we've covered them many times over the years. And, yeah, you know, just for people maybe that are just new to all this, that's something that you can just say, well, you know, if a the convicted criminal wanted to be in charge of your health, you might want to look into that, you know? Yeah. That's just a side note. That's
3: a great point, Erica. I really find it interesting to the the contrast in the um, general response to, say, hydroxychloroquine and the scare around hydroxychloroquine versus the response to the um, vaccine Uh, injuries that have occurred so far you know there's a lot of minimizing and sort of it seems like the general mood as well you know this is something that we just have to put up with because the vaccination is what we need to do to get past the um, COVID pandemic and get on with life as normal as usual and vaccines are good so some bad reactions are to be expected and um, you know but then you have something like hydroxychloroquine which was um, widely demonized. Or, you know, if if something like this happened with, say, an herbal remedy, it would only take one person to have mm-hmm. an anaphylactic reaction. And suddenly that remedy would be totally blacklisted everywhere. Um, so that's, you know, I think speaks to the power that a company like Pfizer has, um, both in just the narrative that's being propagated, and, and also in the support that they get from the media and from, uh, government agencies and so forth.
0: Absolutely. Well, we are coming up on our time here. Uh, did you guys have anything that you wanted to add any last minute additions?
1: Um, just on the, on the polyethylene glycol thing, it's, mm. I was just checking a paper at the end of they're talking. It's about using peg in medicine using polyethylene glycol in medicine and they they're like an advisory team and and they said at the end of the study they said uh you know it's very important to test anti-polyethylene glycol antibodies before during and after treatment Hmm. yeah they're not doing that they're not doing that and so what it yeah i mean i guess that's all i wanted to say they're not doing it when they should be (laughs) Right. They're not prioritizing that. And so as long as they do that, there's going to be, you know, many more unnecessary death from from anaphylaxis, which is quite unnecessary.
3: And that's something that probably would have come up in if proper safety studies were done over a long period of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: They could have identified that,
0: yeah. Okay, well, on that happy note... Uh, <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, everybody. Um, We will see you all next week with another exciting topic. Um, Be sure to like and subscribe, share if you're so inclined, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.